Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Vry Kaiser. I'm a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at Writer Vry or co-hosting another podcast at Trash Pod. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Um, I am a contributor and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as uh, running my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. I'm uh, Peter Phobian. I'm an Associates Features Editor at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. And this time we have gotten together to do our usual mid-season check-in. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, uh, now that the anime season has generally had time enough to air six episodes of every show, I don't think any of us are watching anything that's only aired five, uh, we are checking in with our mid-show thoughts and impressions, and if it's any the same or different from the premiere reviews that we published on Anime Feminist. Uh, neither of you were involved in the three-episode check-in that we did on the site as a sort of text roundtable. Uh, that was Amelia and D. So if you want to check their opinions uh, a couple episodes back, you can do that on our site as well. I'm going to be going up our list of red flags, yellow flags, harmless, feminist potential, feminist themes. And we'll go from the bottom up, and we will most, and we'll start with the lowest show that everybody is, or that people are watching. I was watching Kotonoha Kitan, uh, which is uh, better known as the Yuri Fox Girl show. Ah, uh, I wound up dropping it after five episodes. I wanted to give it a shot because it seemed, you know, it's. It's gay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that is entirely why. <laughs> That's entirely why you got to call me out like this. <laughs> um, and it is, for the most part, pretty harmless. Um, the trouble with it is, is that there are, it, it opens with a forced strip and bathing scene because she gets to the bathhouse and, and you know, they take her in and get her her uniform and, and clean her up to start working at the job, which of course involves, you know, holding her down, tearing off her clothes and, and, and scrubbing her against her will rather than telling her to do it herself. Because this is fun. This is a fun healing type show. It, it does kind of leave a sour taste in your mouth. Um, but after that, it, it does kind of level out and become extremely functional. Uh, you know, the, the couples are cute. Uh, there's a, there's a tomboy character and a sort of a, Bishojo character who's who's sort of haughty but also sparkly and there's actually a nice thing in episode three where it actually handles a, an, a sexual harassment subplot pretty well the um the Bishojo girl gets uh felt up and um made uncomfortable by one of the patrons and all of the other female members of staff come and support her and throw the guy out and make sure to comfort her afterwards and tell her it wasn't her fault and that's like legitimately nice I liked that episode um, I was not expecting that kind of subplot out of that show, actually. That's pretty good. Yeah, it. I sort of dismissed it as, like, standard Yuri for guys. It kind of is, is the thing. Is, the, is that there will be standouts like that, and actually, that like most BL and Yuri shows, the secondary couple is always way more interesting than the main one. Um, so those two are... Anything I saw that was revolving around those two was pretty good. Uh, there's an episode that's, I swear to God, an homage to the Nanami's Egg episode of Utena, which is weird. Um... <laughs> but it also does definitely do the thing that Yuri made for men does, which is extra weird and sad because I believe this manga was written by a woman um, in that the camera takes a lot of time, 
you know, a, a, a lot of time and excuses to expose the female characters' bodies. It's just a coincidence that this takes place in an own sense, so all of the important emotional conversations should take place in the hot screen, you guys. It's a total coincidence that that happens. Um, but also, there were, but that nudity and eroticism is never in service of like their feelings for each other. This is very chaste Yuri, and I hate that that disjunction because it makes it feel very fetishistic. Yeah. Um, so it it bummed me out. And then by episode five, we were uh, the show was starting to get away of from you know cute couples shenanigans and introducing wacky comedy side characters. At which point, I kind of noped out. Hmm. Yeah, it seemed like its formula was like uh, work by day, and then there's there's it's like a day cycle, and at the end of the day, they all bathe and then they talk, and that kind of like um, expands upon the events that happen during the day. But uh, it's basically a big all of them are naked scene, so. right? Because like uh, chilling out together and talking in the bath is not like it's it's not totally unreasonable, but if like it's the only sort of uh, gazy part of the show then yeah it definitely feels like an excuse for the gaze rather than this is this is just a slice of life thing mm-hmm. yeah i think you could definitely tell just based on the how the camera's handling it because i mean there's some scenes where they're all in the water and so you only see them from the neck up really and everything else is indistinct and then there's the shows where some of them are sitting out of the water and like or for some reason the rest of them are risen out just enough so you can see their cleavage or something like that i remember the last episode of gamers did that where i they like channeled all of the fan service for the entire show into that last episode when they were in the onsen and the camera just spent like zero time on the characters faces while they had like a four minute conversation so i definitely there's there's degrees and i I, it could have been i mean i I basically stopped watching after episode one but i was reminded of the gamer scene because of just where the camera was going the entire time yeah it's it's still like it's not it's not the worst thing honestly the um the gazy bits were background enough that when the show was doing its rom-com thing, I was able to kind of put it aside, but I was just so not here for any of the other cast members. But it is like, if you, if there is any other Yuri that you are looking for and haven't like, this is not a quality example. This is the show you watch. If you have watched all the other Yuri on the planet, you desperately need another Yuri show to watch this season. Like it's fine. It's functional. A completionist is what you're saying. (laughs) Yep. Got to get all those. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. That's all I've got on this one. I mean, and that's that is enough for a lot of people I know to get to have them watch it. Like they just need gay girls, and that's really the main requirement for them. Yeah. Well, and I will say we put it initially in the red flags because of that forced strip scene in the first episode. I would say it moves up to yellow flags. Uh, you know, the the gazy camera is of still an issue and like i said it bothers me because it's coupled with a very chaste romance so it feels like it's sexualizing the girls without honoring their sexuality but it's it's not as gross as that first episode kind of has the feels of good to know yeah uh but yeah so that and peter you are the only one watching garo vanishing line yes uh i believe so yes um i'm not up to current right now so i don't have the like the very up-to-the-date information but i mean i think if you watched episode one which i think all of us did uh you pretty much yeah, got a good idea of... I oh you did didn't not okay uh well then never mind uh it's a it's a very kind of like 90s uh action anime uh which is very weird garo's kind of a, a huge 
franchise of uh, mostly uh, unrelated stories. I think there's like a tokusatsu element and an anime element, and all the animes are only very tangentially related by like there's always like a knight and I think a summoner and uh, one recurring character, uh, Zaruba, who is voiced by the guy who sang Hedshala in Dragon Ball Z. Um, nice. Always. Yeah, yeah. He's the one recurring character with the same voice actor each time. Uh, very weird. Um, this one, uh, last one was like more fantasy, God of the Animation. This one is leaning really heavily into like uh, the, the main character is a huge meaty guy and he rides a talking motorcycle. And uh, there's also a lot of uh, very voluptuous women in it. Um, I thought I thought you wrote the, the summary of the first episode, Fry. I did, I did, okay, okay, yeah, so and it was, my experience yeah. with it was, um, I did like, uh, you know, that sort of 90s meathead and kid dynamic is one that I like, and there were some fun 90s things in there, and some nice animation, but boy, was it awfully misogynistic to every female character it introduced. That's what I've heard. Is that um, still true? Uh, as far as, like, gays, yes, uh, they introduce, oh, her name escapes me, uh, another character who's kind of like a, uh, she has interactions with Sophie, which aren't t- too bad from my perception. And I, I feel like the series is trying to be pretty self-aware. Like, they have one episode where they go to a ball and uh, Sword is wearing a button-up shirt, but it's like the buttons are about to pop off. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the screenshot. Like, you can, it's the thing where the buttons stretch, but you can see his skin between each button because <laughs> the shirt can't contain all of his muscles. <laughs> yeah. And recently they got, like, invited into his man cave, which, of course, is just, like, there's female pinups on the walls, and he's got, a, a, like, a punching bag and a weight set in his room. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, holy shit, does the, does, like, the drooly perv thing not hold up well? <sighs> yeah, yeah, he still does that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, it, the whole, like, like a, praying to Buddha. Remember when men were men sort of thing. Yeah, I, I feel like it's trying to be tongue-in-cheek, but I, they could have just successfully have probably not put it in it, and it would have been just as good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm mostly in it for the action and some of the goofy stuff. Um, but, yeah, if, if that, if, like, basically if you didn't like what you saw in the first episode, uh, then that's the whole ride. So Yeah, yeah it's, it's a shame because it, it feels like it wants to be a 90s throwback, but rather than taking the things that were good about the 90s show and then, like, updating the parts that have aged poorly, it just brought it all forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, the next, so that is all of our red flags that people are actually watching. That moves us up into our yellow flags, the first of which was Two Car, um, which I dropped after two episodes, and I was the only one watching it. I talked about this more in depth in our three episode check-in post so i'll keep it brief here uh basically it has a really big cast that's pretty samey the camera's still super gazy and um while i thought that the two main characters having a crush on their teacher wouldn't be an issue because they shipped him off in the first episode then it turns out that the prize for winning the girls for the girls winning the grand prix is getting to go and compete on the Isle of Man where their teacher went, Boo. which meant I was going to have to deal with this for a long-ass time, and I wasn't here for that. Boo. It's always disappointing, because um, every time a sports show with girls comes out, I'm like, maybe this will be the sports show featuring women that I've been waiting for, where it's not explicitly for men, and it's not, mm-hmm. like, super heteronormative fan servicey or moe or something like that. Um, and every single time I'm disappointed. 
every it, single like the, time. There, there, the, there was enough in the first episode that put me over to the second one, and then I, I just realized that this would only be pain. This was only pain. Yeah. Hopefully, sure. we'll get a Tepu anime at some point. Someday. Yeah. Someday. But uh, yeah, two car. I kind of uh, it gave me uh, kind of Minami Kamakura High School Girls Cycling Club vibes, uh, and that anime kind of put me to sleep. So I, I got <laughs> I, it's just yeah. You said all the characters kind of look the same. Well, it's this thing where all of the other racers have a gimmick. So naturally, the first thing they do is break up all of the uh, the racing teams into separate parts so you can't tell them apart by their gimmick anymore and then don't <laughs> distinguish their personalities. So you have all these characters on screen and it's like, who the fuck are you people? Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Good choices. So that's two car. Next is Junie Tyson, which uh, you and I are both watching, Peter. Yep. It's so dumb. It is. It's good. <laughs> uh, I, it's you guys so talk dumb. about that show so much in the, like, in the chat that I had a dream about it the other night and I <laughs> have not watched a single minute of it but somehow I'm dreaming about it <laughs> it so it just dumb. does I don't know it's it's very kind of honest I guess with what it is and uh, it's almost like uh what, what for the first 3 episodes it had this this like rote formula where you got introduced to one character they gave you the backstory and then that character gets killed at the end of the episode uh and I, I knew they would mix it up eventually, but it kind of, I mean, all the characters they introduced were, I think, the ones that people liked. So they're they're rapidly killing off, I think, all the characters that anyone would like for any reason. I know a lot of people yeah. are fans of Boar because, uh, I think, just because she was a hot Yandere woman. Um, and, or she, Monkey because... She had because, a quality aesthetic. Yeah. Or Monkey because Monkey was the only person who was in any way compassionate or human. Uh, and uh, maybe Niwa because she was a homicidal ochako from my hero academia um but you're right this uh this show has killed off uh the majority of its women yeah i think uh is that it actually i think that's it thanks for that are there any women left i think that was it uh there's tiger there's tiger oh yeah tiger oh yeah and everybody likes tiger of course she's fun she's very fun she's also a drunk woman in a bikini and very little else yep uh God, who's, she's like voiced her. by somebody interesting, too. I forgot. This actually has some very interesting voice actors in it. I love that the psychotic bunny is voiced by Bakugo. That is just the best. Uh, Empowered Bunny Man is the best anything ever. And yeah. I love him. It definitely, the, the, yeah, the, the bunny, that was just a brilliant character design, I think. That so is, <laughs> that part I'm familiar with. <laughs> He's uh, so good. He's so good. He's the he's he's the so good. My favorite part of the opening is they cycle through a bunch of snapshots, and one of them is a pair of high heels, and you're not sure if that's boar or bunny. You have no idea. Uh, it's just it's glimmering good. red heels on feet, and then it passes on to somebody else, and you never know. I, I think I can't remember if one of them is specifically wearing red or black, but uh, hard yeah. to tell since you know, again they they do uh, they do kill poor off really yeah. early. Yeah, but uh. They, I don't know, like, obviously the series is out to do something, but at this point it's kind of hard to say what it's out to do. It is trying to say a thing about war um, very clumsily. In fact, so clumsily that it doesn't bother me that it thinks it's deep. It's it's more like I want to pat it on its head and say, oh, oh, you think you're people. You think I'm here for your deep statements about humanity and the nature of war and not to watch these very stylish, silly character designs murder each other in creative ways. That's cute. (laughs) 
yeah, the the fights and character interactions I think have been interesting. I don't uh I don't think it's been awful as far as the fan service thing is. Uh the, like, I mean the the first episode and now Tiger, I think, are the worst it's gotten. Well, it's interesting because, like, the women are definitely more sexualized than the men, but it yeah. feels less obtrusive because the male designs are also really outland. Like, not just Empowered Bunny Man, but the designs are all very stylish and outlandish, and um, a lot of them feel deliberately sexual, muscly, whatever. Yeah. And with, uh, with, uh, what's her face with bird you almost get the feeling that it was her, her entire costume was just to make people think that she didn't know what she was doing mm-hmm. um although with tiger you definitely got some camera angles uh like yeah when she oh for sure horse. yeah i have seen her camel toe mm. and greatly drawn detail yeah, yeah. but and i don't know it's goofy it, it, it is kind of a bummer that as of the halfway point, they do seem to be killing off their cast in reverse Zodiac order, yep. which kind of kills the tension a little bit. Yeah, so like if the next episode, uh, if, what is it, Snake and Dragon, I, I guess, I might, I think Dragon's going to try to destroy Snake's body or something, so they both end up going up or something. If that happens, it's pretty much like the ending has been predetermined. Which is a bummer because uh, Nezumi is a piece of shit, and I hate him. Yeah. I mean, he's I, the most annoying teen character ever. I do see that. Yeah, he's definitely setting him up to have some sort of really crazy power at this point too, because he he seems to be able to teleport or something. And uh, it looks like like a bunch of people who have met him have said he looks. Uh, they remember him, and he spends a lot of time sleeping. So I think he has like dream powers or something. So he's gonna. I'm, I'm thinking the whole setup is that Nezumi has some sort of obscene power that gives him a huge advantage, and uh, he he was gonna win with that the whole time. Also, he was asking Wait. after sheep, so I'm pretty sure he's after sheep's old timer grenade, and that's how he's going to take out Ox at the end, or something like that. I'm less concerned about how he's going to do it, is the fact that he's had a lot of long monologues about how like everybody who's striving for like ceasefire and peace is a fucking moron because peace just means the world, because fighting is the only way that the world can change, which okay you know it's like one of those big lebowski things where you're not wrong you're just an asshole yeah i did think what he was saying to horse i kind of agreed with he basically said just hiding in the safe you're not going to get anything done you're just going to die uh and he said like what those corpse running around seem more alive than you are i like from just from a perspective of like creating change not necessarily even fighting i i was just like that's pretty good but yeah his whole argument with monkey was not uh, not yeah, like, not endearing. <laughs> uh, I have a all question. of these characters are soldiers. Yeah. Yes, have, please go on. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, do the subtitles for the show mix like the Japanese words and the English words, or are you guys just? Yes, it's weird. That is, doesn't. Um, that is irritating. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. They, it's they, it's they, kind of inconsistent. Yeah, I Why? think some of the early uh, names for them were like hair instead of rabbit. And uh-huh. I mean, you hear him saying Usagi, um, but then they call him no, Rabbit now. No, it's just straight. It's just straight and consistent in some episodes. Why? Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I I don't even notice it really. Um, if but... I mean, if I were watching that show, that would probably irritate me so much. I would have to like walk away. I don't know. It, it it doesn't help that also all of the characters are puns on their sign. Like the monkey warrior's name is Saryu. Um, the rat warrior's name is actually Nezumi. So, but then also they sometimes refer them to them by their zodiac names by the Japanese one. And I don't know what's going on with the subtitle team, but it's happening. Yeah, bird is named Niwatori. Uh, uh, boar was Inoshishi. 
Um, so yeah, all those of them are. are those, yeah, those names. are just straight up the names of the. Yep. Shari mm-hmm. is yeah. probably about as, as like the most mix up they got, mm-hmm. which is not much. Not much. Oh. Uh, We've talked too much about this beautiful, <laughs> dumb show that is the season garbage fire. <laughs> like, so. If you're here for garbage, you'll like this. All right. Um, none of you are watching Infinity Force, right? Nope. No. The show that's a crossover that nobody knows the fanfic for? No. <laughs> I didn't know um, P- Peter, you are Blen- you, you're watching Blend S, yes? Uh, a bit. I've, I've been dealing with a lot of clips. I can't really say that I've watched a full episode. Um, <laughs> shall shall we skip have over been, it then because that have you been making all the memes oh yeah that uh i i definitely made an article which was basically just 20 blend s memes in a row and uh it is um <laughs> it was pretty popular i might do a part two just based off of all the responses i got which were just clip more of them pretty much everybody just right. linked me to their tweet of their own I've, uh, i haven't seen any discussion of the actual show just uh, memes i can I can talk about what it's about, I guess. I mean, uh, honestly, I um, mean, I watched the first episode for the preview guide. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, I, I know that Dee was watching it. You can check in with her opinions of it on the three episode mark. It seems like kind of a, a show that I don't want to get into too much on half knowledge because it seems like it's doing some neat, interesting things and also some, oh God, bad things. Yeah. Right. Like. Like having the main ship to be a grown ass, the main ship be a grown ass adult and a sixteen year old. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she's actually. I know I was going to say that my main problem with it is the the guy who owns the store is very leery at all of the girls, um, but I don't know if there's any sort of returned affection by any I of the mean, girls toward him. That's still. Yeah, you, I, I'm just saying. Should, I wouldn't call you it shouldn't shit. hit on a twenty five yeah. year old. Should not be hitting on a sixteen year old. Yeah. It's um, like I said, I think I think at this point I would like to discuss Blend S maybe for the season finale, but since we don't know, I don't want to tell tales out of school. Right? You know? Okay, that's fair. So let's table that for now. Um, listeners, please go check out the three episode check in roundtable and get at least some idea of if whether the show's for you. Which brings us up to Anime Gesserus, which I think I am the only one watching. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh. So this show is cute. Uh, it's also just aggressively positive to the point where it's a little annoying sometimes. <laughs> um, because it, it, it's an anime club show. And sometimes it, it's really on point at capturing that sort of boundless, uncomplicated enthusiasm you have for watching, for just discovering anime, you know, and anime fandom in a big new way when you're in high school and have some disposable income and all the new ways that you could like it. Like, it's really good at doing some of that. Like, there's an episode where one of the dude club members kind of has a crush on one of the other girls, and he doesn't want to be like one of those dudes in, in romance anime who miss all the signs, so he completely overreads her text and it interprets stuff that's not there. And, like, shit like that is like, oh, oh, this is on point. Yes. And also the characters are just really sweet like this this is a big gooey sappy love letter to anime and like there's a lot of speeches about how anime connects people across the world and and we can all come together through love of anime and it feels really sincere like genuinely sincere and it's nice those bits are nice um it also can be kind of shitty in a low-key way um like there's there's Fujo bait between the two male main characters. Um, 
one of the girls ships them. But also then the the girl's homeroom teacher is a walking, talking gay stereotype. And oh, the show no. does not seem to be see any disjunction between these two things. Uh, the, the camera isn't super horrible, but once in a while it can be kind of shiny boobs and thigh gaps leery. Uh, which is which is a bummer because I do really like these girls and their friendship. They're the Ojo-san, uh, the, the Ojo-san character is just really nice and wants to use her boundless amounts of money and super competent butler to help people get to know more anime, which is amazing and good. It also purports to be a magical girl series. Like it, there's a talking cat and the main character found a magic, an apparently magical beret in the first episode, but we're halfway through now and that's gone nowhere. <laughs> Absolutely nowhere. Hmm. And also like, like show if you're going to have a big speech from one of the characters about how they have to keep the anime club open because anime, you know, is anime really speaks to the outsider and the downtrodden and, Look, I know that real high schoolers aren't really equipped to notice that anime kind of is shitty to minorities most of the time, but it doesn't mean I'm dying any less. Be- yeah, which is kind of the flip side is that it it's so enthusiastic about anime that it sometimes feels like a commercial. Yeah, well, I don't know how uh, if they could talk of any sort of like considering it's made by a studio. I don't know if they could really get into some of the. Uh issues with anime production that are it's kind of like yeah well where would that come from well it's not well like even when i was in high school and in my most like blindly affectionate love of anime i didn't like fan service shows and like none of none of these girls ever talk about the fact that they uh, okay. that they're uncomfortable with like girl you know female characters having triple e tits and and bending over like that never comes up once it's just anime mm-hmm. is great all the time forever every anime is great you guys mm-hmm. which feels a little bit which, which goes from endearing, like, realistically endearing to kind of, come the fuck on. What world do you live in? Right. Well, it reminds me kind of of that um, Kotaku article for a, a while back where the person was talking about sort of how uh, fan, like, fan service is regarded. Um, and she had trouble finding Japanese fans who had an issue with fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, is absolutely not, like, there are definitely people um, in the industry, and there are fans who do not like fan service. I have sat down and talk- talked to them before. Like, and they have said that they don't like fan service. Um, so they exist. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely not, I think it's not as much of a point of contention Mm-hmm. as um it tends to be out here but like yeah i mean it is a point that like pretty much any show that involves uh women that like anime tends to sort of hand wave the stuff like hand wave away like without worrying about like oh there is some stuff out there that like appeals to men like uh more or rather uh, is written more to appeal to men than to women and it has these elements that women might find alienating um, and honestly, they tend to refer more to the stuff that is designed more to appeal to men because that is sort of what they are expecting their uh, their audience to be more familiar with. Like, stuff like Shirobako, they're making a moe anime. Um, anime Guitar is, isn't probably, is, 
I'm assuming doesn't spend a lot of time referring to like shoujo anime because a because not a lot of shoujo anime is being made today and the primary audience for anime gataris is probably not going to be as interested in shoujo as it is going to be in a lot of the uh moe and fan service shows as well as general audience mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot this is one of those shows that seems to think um referencing titles with the names slightly changed is a joke and not just oh. a reference that's... I kind of hate that. Yeah. Reference- Yuri on Nice is, is not, not a humor. joke. So it's Reference like scary is not movie jokes. or something. No, no. They, they're literally just, um, there's a, like one of the most, one of some of the most creative one is, um, like the, you know, the, um, the, like the, the circumstances of a happy Vuvuzela or something, which is a Haruhi Suzumiya joke. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it goes all the way down to Yuri on Nice. Nice. that's not a joke (laughs) yeah no stuff like that is sort of just designed for people to get satisfaction of hey I know that and feel like they're an insider yeah and it's just maybe it's me wanting too much from this show to want it to like tackle in any way this idea that you can be disappointed by things you love and how you recover from that which is definitely something I experienced in high like maybe some of the first times in high school and because the show is is has moments of being so emotionally on point to life like i want more from it but i don't think it's ever going to do that that would be really cool i would be honestly surprised though i'm kind of just yeah. happy from my perspective with it uh putting some stuff in anime clip form that is just reality like i remember one episode they talk about how the international market is is Matt like a massive component of the anime industry now, uh, which mm-hmm. is something that redditors who I don't even know where they get this constantly say <laughs> is not true, and that international market is not a consideration for production companies or anything like that. I so, mean, they just say that because they don't want it to be tainted by filthy American feminists and SJWs. I mean, that because Japan yeah, that is because Japan course, doesn't yeah. have that. Feminism doesn't exist in Japan. <laughs> Progressives don't no. exist in Japan. Yeah, oh, but, don't. Uh, yeah. I've read too many articles about how, like, society itself discourages progressivism among young people because they're afraid that they'll never get jobs with companies. We, we can't go down that road. Okay. Uh, let, yeah, let's make that argument entirely about capitalism. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, it's very helpful to... Anyway, yeah. So that's anime Gatsuris. It's it's fine. It's it's not very deep, but it it it's sincere. Yep. I kind of like it. <laughs> I'm constant. I feel like I'm constantly on the verge of dropping it, but then it'll do something cute, and I'll stick around for another episode. Cute and sincere. Uh yeah. Okay. So nobody is watching Suki Pro because why the fuck would you? Which <laughs> there are so many boy <laughs> idol shows this season. There are. Nobody's watching Dynamic Court either. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I heard Everyone's Side M is the real uh, shit. Idolmaster Side M. Yeah. Uh, which I guess moves us up to just because. Am I the only one watching this too? I think so. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Eventually other people will talk. Listeners, I'm, we don't, I, I mean, we don't have to go super in-depth into these things, um, <laughs> especially if we want to save some time for the For the, the big ones. Stuff. Yeah, we might want to. Yeah. Um, Briefly, just because it's a slice of life about uh, high schoolers in their final semester of school. Sometimes it's really good at getting like the uh, at hitting like the melancholy of not wanting to regret anything and dealing with the fact that 
there are things you really love that you might be not be able to do as an adult professional. And sometimes, especially in the last couple episodes, it struggles with maintaining the balance of that and dips more into love, um, love miscommunication shenanigans that I hate. Um, it, it's been doing that more recently in, 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 in the more recent episodes, and it's bum, bumming me out. Also, the animation is sometimes nice in close-up shops and sometimes, oh my god, bad. Oh my god, bad. Yeah, I heard they've been having <laughs> production issues. I posted a screenshot of my tw- of of a really bad shot on my Twitter. It's astonishing. Just blobs. Just blobs. It's not like <laughs> is it's this not girl's like last tour here. here? No. no. <laughs> yeah. Worse. Okay. What worse than so, girls' last tour? They're <laughs> they're wow. Yeah. So that is a yeah, statement. I'm, hey, I like girls' last tour. I mean, but they are blobs. <laughs> I mean, they are blobs. They're intentional blobs. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, in fairness, is less blobs and more blocks, featureless blocks that stand in space. All right. So, um, yeah. I mean, I it it probably says something that I really don't like. Slice of life, uh, high school romance shows that only seem to understand that heterosexuality exists, of which this is definitely one. But I like these kids enough to keep hanging out with them for a while longer. So if you like Slice of Life, this might be an exceptionally well-written one. Yeah, I've been hearing good things about the story, so I, I plan to check in on it at some point. Dynamic Core, nobody's watching it. Black Clover, Peter, you've seen this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there's definitely been some... I know that Goofy some... Shonen is kind of your shit, Peter. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, okay, to be honest, like, I read the manga, um, and it's not my favorite thing in Shonen Jump. Uh it does have. Uh, I, I, I'd rather talk about something I'm noticing about the anime, which I actually think is really cool. So uh, the manga is very like fast paced and focuses mostly on fighting. Uh, it's very fairy tale esque. Like like the story is more of a vehicle to get them to the next fight. Um, and the guy really likes drawing fight scenes, and there's n- nothing wrong with that necessarily. But I've been noticing that Piero has actually been slowing down the story a bit. Um, and in in putting a lot more scenes with character development in them, which has been kind of amazing to me to watch. Uh, like, they introduce, the, the main girl is Noelle, uh, who uses water magic, uh, and she's introduced early on. She's a member of uh, this, it's like, Asta joins the Reject Squad, and the reason, even though she's, like, part of one of the richest, most powerful families, uh, is, uh, she's part of the Reject Squad because she, uh, she can't attack with her magic, uh, which, I mean, I'm not a super fan of this dynamic. Uh, basically, she... Her magic is technically obeying her, but she can never hit with it because she's unconsciously afraid of hurting people, which is something she has to overcome over the course of the manga, um, and she does eventually. Um, but they sort of cover that. She gets introduced with the rest of the Black Bulls, but there's a couple scenes with her before that in the anime where they have her interacting with her older brother, who's kind of an antagonist in the series, uh, basically with him calling her worthless and like an embarrassment to the family. Wow, so you- rude. Yeah, yeah, you you kind of get uh, uh, she wants to join in like the 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 tests you have to do to become a magic knight, but he's just like you're gonna get in just because you're rich. Um, so it like kind of covers the the privilege that the nobles get, like her personal desires and her relationship with her family beforehand. And there have been a couple scenes like that so far, which is what I thought of has been impressive, uh, which is just a difference between anime and manga. It's something I feel like people should be aware of, uh, especially if they enjoyed the manga. Does the main character hit on her constantly still? No. Uh, uh, the main character, 
the the issue with the series regarding the main character and romance is that the opening scene of the both the anime and the manga is him asking the nun who raised him to marry him. Uh, That's weird. Which apparently he has pursued so much that she just like casts spells at him to to make him submit now before he gets out of control these days. So that's uncomfortable. Um, and it's it's the source of some jokes later on. Like there's a romantic misunderstanding because somebody thinks he likes somebody else because he says, I've got somebody I like, but he's talking about the nun, of course. Um, at least he's loyal to the nun, I guess. But uh, yeah, um, they're, they're, I can't say the series has the best female representation. Noelle is mostly a healer and has just learned to attack at the point where I'm at in the manga, which is like chapter 80. Um, the other main female that's introduced is a drunk woman in a bikini. Um, cool. Another one is a tiny girl who uses cotton magic, who's actually super overpowered, but she spends all of her time eating. Um, she really only fights people if they take her food, but then she instantly crushes them. So that's kind of funny. Uh, and then... So it's, it's, it's kind of a typical show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like both girls fall like, like Asta and they kind of not quite fight over him. So that's, Mm. that's the female representation that you get. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, pretty typical shonen. Yeah, uh, the anime's doing some cool stuff. I don't know if they'll change up that dynamic at all. Um, I'm not getting my hopes very high, um, but it's kind of harmless fun if you don't mind what you usually get from shonen, which is usually female characters not doing a whole lot. If you like shonen, you'll probably like the show. It sounds yeah. like. Yep, and the the animation's good. So has the main I, character stopped screaming every line? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Not so really. if you did not care for that in the pilot, you're not going to enjoy this. Like yeah. I I didn't watch it, but someone said that like he just like it's like his speech quirk is he just yells at the end <laughs> of every line. He's like, blah 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 ah blah yeah, blah blah blah. His voice ah. kind of goes up at the end of sentences. Um, it's a quirk, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's like nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So it's the shonen equi- it, it it is to shonen as Kotonoha Kitan is to Yuri. If uh, you're desperate for another one, this will do sure. you. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go that far. I do want to say I am seeing encouraging things from Piero. I don't. I my hopes are not so high that I think. I think this is where I'm going with this. That I think that it's going to like really change a lot of the the issues that I had with the manga. But it's I actually prefer it to the manga at this point. I think it has it's like got a more developed story. Um, it's just like whether they're going to decide to make any like character decisions to maybe equalize the cast at all is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that moves us into our top two tiers of uh, feminist potential. Uh, starting with Urahara. Peter, I know you're caught up on this one. Caitlin, you were watching it. Did you have a chance to catch up? No, I did not have a chance to catch up. Um, I mean, when I was playing catch up so the thing is that i have issues with getting overwhelmed and then avoiding things so (laughs) i fell behind in anime this season got overwhelmed so every time was like oh i should watch it one of the new anime i wouldn't play persona instead um i mean that's like an anime (laughs) it is it's i mean it's basically just an interactive anime they're gonna make Uh, it it's like it's like anime Gatoris. It wants to be about uplifting oppressed people without actually admitting that oppressed people exist. I'm very salty about Persona 5. <laughs> Understandably so. But anyway, I have not caught up with Urahara, and it is not for lack of interest. Um, I do like want to say that what I did watch, it feels very much like a kid's, like a kid's show. 
Yeah, it like, airs at noon, I believe. So yeah, I think it okay, is so it is a kids audiences. show. Um, and I mean, we'll I mean, see. I'm not saying I'm not saying that like to its detriment, but just the sort of like um, hyper, like hyperactivity, colorfulness, like has has an internal logic, but is still like pr- kind of like random and weird. Like it feels very much like a show aimed at like twelve year old girls, which is great, which is great, um, and honestly is probably makes it me makes me more inclined to watch it because god knows 12 year old girls need more shit aimed at them that is not like weird and regressive um it's it it certainly is it wasn't a show for me like um but it has been very heartening to read about the production side and you know it's it's got a mostly female production crew uh they have talked in interviews about the fact that they had they wound up rewriting scenes even because they really wanted to focus on the girls' friendship and each of them getting to show off their skills and the different ways they were skilled. Like, it it seems like it really wants to be a good show for young girls, which I think is great. I just don't want to watch it. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, I I think that definitely shows. From from what I've seen so far, it's actually done some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I'm kind of a fan of the aesthetic just because it's very, like, weird and quirky. Um, but some of the character things they've been doing recently is they, they really focus on like creativity and also like the things that go around that. And also like the characters each having their own personalities, which have like good and bad aspects and how they support each other. So, uh, Mari, the, the one with the two pigtails is kind of like usually their leader and she runs the store mostly, but, uh, they kind of talk about how she gets overwhelmed by, new situations but when she's like comfortable uh she tends to like she kind of like takes over so like when the aliens first attack she's kind of like panicking uh but then like now that they're more used to defending harajuku from these scooper attacks she's more confident in herself and and is more like proactive in fights but early on like uh, i think kodoko says that to rito um in a conversation basically just saying this is how she is so we need to support her until she's like acclimated to this new situation um, and they kind of find different ways of making her feel more comfortable, um, even though she's like, you know, on the on the verge of panicking sometimes. Uh, they get kind of into Rito's creative process and like how she used to just draw for herself, but now she's become very, uh, she gets anxiety over what other people think of her art uh, and kind of like her reasons for drawing and uh, her concerns over whether she's good enough, that kind of thing. Uh, then they, they had a subplot with Kodoko too. So they're kind of getting into e- how each of them creates differently and their own like individual issues uh which i think is is pretty neat um also they just sort of turned a corner where i don't know if this is where the series might get a little madoka-esque um oh i kind of hope not uh i like something happened like i I don't know quite how to should i I just like spoil it i guess or uh uh I try to talk around it if you can. Um, I know we've talked about some spoilers, but we, you know, like these to be accessible for people who are looking to what shows to watch okay. and haven't maybe necessarily seen them yet. So kind of a creepy thing happened, uh, and it was somewhat based on insidious actions by one of the characters in the the group. Uh, oh, this is the science thing. I saw a clip of this on on you on Twitter. Yes, yes. Okay. I have uh, that. That was involved in it. Kodoko being the zombie nurse. Um, yeah. Uh, that that's involved in it, but like uh, something happened, and it's it let that last episode actually ended in a cliffhanger, and you're just like, what does this mean? Because uh, it's kind of a, a huge thing, and I I honestly don't know where they're going with it, but it it could kind of be 
uh, like maybe a slightly darker turn or more serious turn for the series after it's been kind of bubbly so far. So they could be getting into more serious writing now that they've established like how all the characters are and how they interact. Yeah, well, let, let me let me correct myself, I guess. I don't think it's bad if the show gets serious. It's not like, like, fucking... No, I definitely get your concern. Like, girl. if it went full Monica, I probably wouldn't like it, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, Monica as... as stand-in for emotional suffering porn, which, like, yeah. nobody needs another show about young girls who suffer. I meant we more as a, a sudden, unexpected turn to a more serious and, like, maybe uh, philosophical plot. That kind right. of thing. Yeah. Which, yeah, so, might be interesting. I like it. Time will tell, I guess? That's cool. Yeah, the next yeah, episode will probably tell. I am rooting for this show, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, to speak of the polar opposite, <laughs> hey, hey, there's a Kino's Journey remake going on. <laughs> ah, the original Kino is one of my top 20 anime of all time, and this is not that. Hmm. <laughs> um, you are caught up, I know. Yep. I sort of tentatively can I sort of tentatively plan to catch up but something had to give prepping for this podcast and it was kino so i've only seen the first three episodes yeah Yeah. i watched four episodes and like by the fourth episode i realized i was not like engaged at all um so it's like oh maybe this is a sign like sign that i should probably deprioritize this show are is funimation still fucking up the subtitles um, I don't, I can't remember any pronouns that I've seen. Oh, so they've um, just moved it entirely to the ad copy for the dub referring to Kino with female pronouns. I'm coming for you, Funimation. I, I, I don't know about, I, I, I'm not, I, like, uh, you tend to catch those things much faster than I do anyway, because I'm not really looking for them. Um, right. But I, just based on my own perception, I have not noticed anything I just haven't noticed people using pronouns in reference to Kino. Uh, usually they call Kino Traveler anyway. So mm-hmm. um, what do they say? Uh, Toibito, I think. Is that it? Um, Tabibito. Uh, yeah. Tab- uh, Tabi- I think that's it. I think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've maybe they've just kind of cycled into that. They've also had two episodes that Kino was uh, not too involved in. Um, oh, that's great. A show about Kino's journey that Kino isn't in? Well, that sounds amazing. Okay, yeah, the, it's about the, the, they're about the prince. The actual light novels. I love this so much. Okay. This seems like a great new take on the series. Well, the, mean... okay, the light novels. Uh, Sigsawa actually did jump around to different characters a lot. Uh, Shizu uh-huh. is a character that Sigsawa wrote about a lot. Uh, I there was this new character Photo uh, who'd appeared in one episode. I think they just had a one light novel story, and it was like a one and done thing set in the Kino's Journey universe. Um, I mean, Kino's at like the beginning and the end, but he doesn't get involved in the story at all. Um, and I know there's some stuff about Shisho in the anime as well, uh, Kino's Master. Um, but I don't know. They're probably going to put that in in the later couple episodes. Honestly, the more I talk with people about the new Kino and I get a lot of, well, but they did this in the light novel, the more I realize that what I actually like is the 2003 anime and the smart choices it made to make it a more concentrated, thoughtful, and effectively chosen story. And Boy, howdy, the new one made a bad decision when it chose its episodes to to adapt uh, uh, from a reader poll, thereby putting itself in direct comparison to the uh, Masterpiece original. <laughs> mm. 
yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, it's hard to compare to the original uh, in any kind of positive light. Uh, I, I have enjoyed some of the new stories that it's introduced, um, but yeah, yeah I mean, my preference lies in the first one, of course, uh, issues aside. Yeah. Um, and I mean, less people think, well, you've just got nostalgia goggles for the original. I actually watched it fairly currently to the point where I was, when the first two episodes aired, I was watching it concurrently. So I did see the new adaptation of Coliseum before I saw the original one. Uh, and it still reads as bad. Bad and rushed. And also, I think the new Kino thinks I'm stupid. Because it has to explain everything. Because why would you suggest things? I'm very angry about this. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sorry. Yeah, they did have a, a recent subplot in The Country of Liars where it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, where Kino runs into uh, those three men who are building and disassembling those railroad tracks? Mm-hmm. It was kind of a plot like that where you get like a larger reveal on where they all come from and it kind of introduces this really strange relationship these characters have. Um, I uh, It kind of did that, but I did feel like it was more explainy. I, I actually think the strongest episode so far was the one focusing on Photo rather than Kino, although it might have been a little heavy-handed, but um, I don't know. I, I found some things that I like about the series, but I definitely understand, especially if you're trying to compare to the Bane series how it it might not measure up it's the other reason I I mean I haven't the reason I other reason I put up put off catching up is because I they haven't gotten rid of or that they haven't gotten to the Kino's backstory but um I'm not confident in how the it that the anime will be able the, the new re- anime will handle it as well and amazingly as the original one did like Kino is a pretty rare example of a, a non-binary trans-masculine character who's really important to me and a lot of people and boy do i not trust this new one yeah they they referenced that uh somebody asked kino about how they became a traveler um in one of the more recent episodes so i think they might be moving into it soon but i oh, we'll see yeah. yeah that was that was like my favorite episode of the other kino so it's a it's a hard it like I remember when when I first started the anime uh, and I knew they were going to be reproducing some of the stories rather than just doing new ones. I was like, oh, that's that's a really tough ask for anybody. Um, it, I, I almost wish they just stuck to new material. It, um, it certainly would have served it better. Yeah, because like it's like yeah. an expansion rather than a reboot. Um, I mean, like all other issues aside, I feel like I would be more interested in that just because I would get more material as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's tough what they're trying to do. Uh, Caitlin, any more to to add? Now that uh, I mean, I, not I, really. Like I said, I kind of ended up spacing out for a lot of the last couple episodes I watched. Um, like, I like the prince. The prince is cute. I don't know. <laughs> he has a really talking dog. Any... It's rad. Yeah, I don't really have like he's cute and he seems <laughs> nice. I don't really have anything more interesting to say about it. I didn't watch the original, so. He gets a daughter now in the ship episode. Well, it's not. Oh a, no! Oh, like that's a, right. I did watch the ship episode. Okay. Yeah. yeah I um, liked the. I think the photo episode is worth watching too. Um, I thought that one was pretty good, but um, yeah. Yeah. This this, at best, I think it'll end up being like eighteen if last season where, it's standalone enough that you can say to people, "Here's the couple good episodes," uh, and maybe trash the other ones. Uh, he mm. wait, he's basically a dad now. That means maybe I should watch Kino again. Yeah, that's yeah. Dad. Now he's a hot dad. That's for you. It's your <laughs> brand. 
Just got to keep going with that brand. <laughs> that hot dad brand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> moving moving on. Uh, the next one is Girls Last Tour, which I think, Caitlin, you are the only one watching. So yes. your time to shine. Go. Um, you know, and it it is a show that I haven't really been seeing a lot of discussion of, probably partially because it's on strike. Um, but I think it ha- it is probably one of the more underrated se- uh, series of the season. Because, um, like, like when it, pe- it was first, like, the production stuff was coming out, like, uh, it was like, oh, this sounds kind of interesting. And then I saw the character designs. I'm like, oh, my God, they're just blobs. I am less interested now. But I watched the first episode anyway, and it was okay. And then I watched, you know, but I wasn't, like, super enthralled by it. But I did, you know, continue watching um, and I did catch up specifically for the purposes of this podcast, just so that there would be someone who could talk about it. I actually ended up really liking it. Um, the characters are, like I said, they're blobs. <laughs> they are <laughs> like they're they're just past the the level of moe blobs, and they're just blobs. But um, the way they're written is actually probably some of the more natural dialogue I've seen in. Um, cute girls anime um their personalities aren't just sort of like boiled down to tropes um and like and they're like the way they their relationship and the way they talk to each other they're not like they're they're clearly two people who are very close um but you know in that way where it's like you know they love each other they support each other they also piss each other off constantly get on each other's nerves um, you know, but they're who they have, like, they're the only people they have in this sort of, uh, landscape. Um, and, you know, they, they have had a couple of one-shot outside characters. Um, I don't know if they're really going to go into the, um, why this world is like this, or if they're just going to leave it be. Either way is fine. But yeah, like, I ended up really... Um, getting getting into it. Okay, I do have to say it's encouraging because I was to to hear you say that you didn't particularly like the first episode because I was entirely unimpressed with it. I remember seeing screenshots where uh, they did you know that that fake uh, label that somebody will put on clips from the show. It was all the drooling, and they said it was mysterious girlfriend X. Um, Yes. Yeah, but. Uh, if you said that it gets good after that, I'd probably be more inclined to pick it up. I am curious. Yeah. Does it have anything to like say, or is it just cute stuff? I think so. Um, okay. It's it's sort of looking more at like having a purpose in life. Um, uh, you and Chito, the um, main characters, their their purpose has not really been revealed we don't know why they're out and traveling um there's something about uh chitose's grandfather um but they encounter you know they they're exploring this world um and it's sort of it's it's more like exploring ruins than exploring a post-apocalyptic society um and sort of you know they don't have the technology to create these things anymore um so it's 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 a mystery how air like how airplanes worked or how 
these huge cities were built. Um, and it's just sort of, uh, the people they encounter are looking for their own purpose in this world. Like one of them makes maps, um, and the old fashioned way, because like traveling around and drawing like where you go and then checking your map by going up to a high place. Um, one of them is trying to build and has been trying to build an airplane for a long time because she caught a glimpse of another island and there were still skyscrapers there. So she thinks there might still be um, people there that there might be like, so there's definitely a lot of mysteries about the world, but sort of finding reasons to live um, in this sort of ruined uh, and lonely, lonely landscape. Okay. That actually sounds pretty neat. Mm -hmm. I think I'm yeah, on yeah. Board. It's it's nice to hear that they, because I I sounds... didn't really Sorry, super care for the no, it's all good. I, I didn't like super care for the pilot, but there were a couple like glimpses of nice melancholy that I wanted to see the show build on. Yeah, and I just never got to watching more. So it's it's nice to hear that it it did trend in that direction. Yeah, what you described actually sounds a bit like Kino's journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it, it lacks sort of the um, cities, like the, or the the city-states in Kino's journey. Yeah. Like, they don't find societies, they find individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, like, that's something that I've sort of been wondering, is that, like, where, like, where are all the people, like, peop humans are social creatures, they wouldn't just all be individual travelers, some people would be, like, trying to rebuild their own society where is that going on what's happening mm -hmm. um but you know that's not really something that has been covered yeah. yeah okay i will probably check it out then yeah I, I, yeah i'd say it's worth it you convinced me awesome here cool all right that wraps up our feminist potential uh we're gonna go long but let's face it we always go long on the check-ins <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's cool it Enjoy this extra half hour of content, listeners. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't really rank them by number anymore. They're just alphabetized, but still. Uh, so next one is Recovery of an MMO Junkity, which I straight up skipped because I hate the subgenre it's part of. But mm -hmm. you two are both mm -hmm. watching it. Yep. Yep. How's uh, it going? Go so <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, you know, uh, the, even though I don't play MMOs, um, there's definitely a lot about uh, Moriko um, that is very believable. That I I feel as a thirty something who spends too much time online myself. <laughs> um, although I do I do have a full time job, um, but you know there's I feel like it it's really does a great job of selling a lot of things. And my friends have said that it is very true to how it feels to be playing uh, an MMO. And one of the things that I like about it is um, it really does nail the feeling of falling in love with someone online um, where you don't, there's so much that you don't know about this person, um, you know, and the, de the details of their actual life but you know, 
who you, you know who they are on a different level you know their personality you know their their views um and their thoughts and their feelings and you connect that way and you want to know more about them but you also can't just come out and ask necessarily especially since my friend said told me that like um for like some people on mmos are really really protective of their personal lives outside of the game um so that and so it's not just something that you ask about ask people about um Mm. so i i really i really like that part um and moriko is highly relatable yeah yeah i uh i have to say i like the the mmo aspects a bit i think it's sort of like a kind of a novel um premise for a romance and usually you don't get that kind of stuff from the female perspective as well Mm -hmm. so i like it for those reasons i like that it's like an older cast as well um there's some stuff that's definitely super convenient about the plot but i don't really mind because it's kind of goofy anyway um so go ahead i have a sorry go ahead no no finish your thought okay uh i do like i i don't think this will be a too big an issue uh she's uh moriko's dating this guy named Kawhi right now uh who i do Koiwai, who I hate Kawhi means so scary. much. Yeah, he, uh, there was kind <laughs> of a, a date rape joke that he made, I guess. Yeah, that wasn't super cool. Yeah, he, Not a fan uh, of she, that. she gets drunk and falls asleep during their date. And so he takes a picture of her while she's unconscious and sends it to Sakurai, uh, who's the, the male, the, the actual love interest of the story. Uh, and he's just like, oh, look, she's asleep and defenseless. What do you think I should do? Should I take her home? That'd be okay, right? Uh, so he sprints over to the house, uh, and the guy's like, oh, come on, that was obviously a joke. And I'm, uh, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I don't care. Like if, (laughs) since you you made that joke, that changes my opinion of you. Yeah. It's like, let me in. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make, look around and make sure that you did not actually take her home and assault her. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's trying that's supposed to be part of his goofy character or whether that's supposed to like contribute toward her getting away from him and eventually ending up in the central romance because it's kind yeah. of a predictable uh, romantic show. Um, but um, that that was some I, I think it was uncomfortable stuff that was supposed to be uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, it just depends on how they play it in the next couple episodes. Other than that, I enjoy it. So I think it's good. I have two questions, both of which are probably unfair. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first is, like, um, genuinely, I've, I've definitely talked with people who have a concern that the title sort of has this implication that falling in love with, that her neatness will be cured by falling in love with a dude. How well is it handling that? Um, you know, it's, I, I don't, I'm not getting that sense right now. Like, they're definitely, they're showing the MMO as, like, a way to, as it, it, a legitimate way to connect with people. Not just like, oh, she's wasting her time with this online game, She and she needs to learn how to, you know, get back out there and reintegrate into society. Now, I mean, at the, like, at the same time, I don't think it's, it would be terrible to have her forming real life relationships and find striking a balance a, a healthier balance um yeah you know like it's the difference between like uh sort of like the discussions on tumblr where that it's like 
are you demanding too much or are people just being anti-recovery mm-hmm. um yeah definitely like being the level of neat she is i don't feel like it's it's not sustainable it's not physically or mentally healthy and i do say that like i said i do say that as someone who's who socializes a lot over the internet so um you know uh just to draw on a real life example like uh before i moved out to before i met my current boyfriend over the internet and moved out to seattle um not to, not to be with him just he happened to be here <laughs> but uh bef- like before that he was he was a neat he was a, a straight up neat he didn't work he didn't go to school he didn't really like go out a whole lot um and like you know now that like i came and i was with him and i sort of was the one being like hey uh i'm tired of sitting around let's go to the park uh let's go out and get dinner at uh somewhere that doesn't serve pizza uh <laughs> i will let's start like actually cooking healthy meals instead of eating frozen pizza every night um madness so, you know and so like i think instead of being like games are a waste of time and you should be living like a goddamn adult mm-hmm. um if it takes the tack of being more um like I said, more like striking a balance of living in the world as well as all, as well as enjoying your um, online life. Um, that I, I that that would make me really uh, satisfied with that direction, with that element yeah. of the show. And you seems like it, you, it seems like it's going in that direction. I think so. Nice. And my other question uh, is complete. Oh, sorry, Peter, did you have more to add? A little bit. I, I haven't seen anything that I feel like she's moving in that direction because she's being sort of forced to socialize, but I don't think that it's like I need to fix myself for him or anything like that. No. Like she even stresses out about having to like how much it costs to put on makeup and get your hair cut and wear clothes outside. Um, and it's it's very often reinforced how great MMOs are as well. So I think it's more about hitting a balance, and I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. yet to indicate that it will just be because she wants to be better for her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, and when like she that. when when she mm-hmm. goes out on dates, like they they talk about games, like yeah. they they talk they like they legitimately talk about her interests, and he's not putting her down. Um, and you know he's talking about soccer. It's like oh yeah, that guy's so into games. Um, so you know it's it's. I, I feel like it has a what much more balanced feeling to it than this sort of story usually does. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's nice. Um, and yeah, my my other completely unfair question was, uh, has this show that's ostensibly about gender play but really is kind of heteronormative introduced any actual queer or trans people? Nope. No. Um, no. <laughs> and that is sort of a, a definitely a blind spot of the show. Um, it it is why I hate the subgenre. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I super do. And it it is something that I am not wild about, but I also have the luxury of you know, the privilege of sort of being able to shrug my shoulders. Yeah, it, I mean it does sound like as a hetero rom-com, it is a nice version of one. Yes. Which Even though Chloe you know what? Y is trash. It, 
Yeah, they sort of get into like uh, you can be something besides yourself online, and what whatever you want to do in the game, it's like what the game's for. So you shouldn't judge people who want to play the opposite gender or anything like that. Uh, if it if that's how you enjoy it or that's the sort of experience you want to get out of it, then that then you should do that. I mean, they don't really, and I think that's about as surface level as it gets. Uh, it, it no deeper. Next, uh, we're going to talk about Code Realized Guardians of Rebirth, uh, which is a very silly show that, Caitlin, you are also watching. (laughs) Oh, gosh, that shows. It's it's so silly, but it's just, it's just fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sweetly silly show. Yeah. it's, It's just over the top, but also sincere enough that it's kind of endearing. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, um... It, do- it it knows exactly what it is, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's cool because I'm I'm generally don't get super into otome series because they tend to be very um, normative, um, but I like Cardia a lot. Car- yeah, she's good. <laughs> I like that she gets to wear pants. Yes. How many anime can you think of where the main character wears pants, where the main girl or any girls wear pants? It And they're it's, cute pants. They're jodhpurs. Yeah. It's harder to think of than you would expect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, it's definitely, it is an Otome game. So there's still, the, there's still an element of the main girl is only interacting with hot dudes. And the only other female character in the series is the villain. But she's way more developed and, and like, the other dudes are way more supportive and nice to her than I've seen with any other Otome series I've tried. And like she, you know, Otome series usually have that moment of there's something in in the dude whose route you could be on that, that the main character connects with, but it feels way more earned. Like Cardia feels like a character and not a cipher for the reader insertion. And like, it's nice. I like her. Like she, she, yeah, well, she is completely helpless in a way that makes sense in the uh, in the beginning. But she does like she has a desire to um, become to to become more self sufficient to get tougher. She asks um, Van Helsing to train her. <laughs> That's a thing <laughs> because um, all these characters are weird, silly Victorian fan fiction. Uh, uh, <laughs> they they bear no resemblance to like to the no. the characters they're based on. Like Victor Frankenstein is a very timid. Young He's the Moe Megani, you guys. It's amazing. So you're saying it's like fate, where none of uh, them are anything like their source material. No, I said I liked it. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh shit. <laughs> Uh, throwing shade at fate. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna pay for that. <laughs> oh no, all the comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fate fans are gonna come for you, Fry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um. Anyway, but yeah. Um. You know. Um. Or like Captain Nemo. <laughs> Holy shit! Like on the Just one that. hand, on the one hand, I want to be like, oh no. This show introduced exactly one brown skin character who is also extremely fam- flamboyant and queer coded, and everybody talks about how annoying he is. But also, I like him and he's fun. 
<laughs> he, the, the resemblance between him and Jules Verne's classic character is uh, the name. <laughs> that, that, that's it. The name. Yep. Um, and he refers he is, to making he a novelist. He's just dissed or from from Tales of the Abyss, which I'm about. <laughs> so, uh-huh. but yeah, oh man, the the show is it's so silly, but it's so fun. The aesthetic is so ridiculous. It's like steampunk London, but the way they make it, the way they make the city itself steampunk is they just stick a bunch of fucking gears everywhere. Yeah, there's literally gears just on the horizon. Hey, isn't it kind of silly that there are these gears in the middle of a city that do nothing? Fuck you, more gears. <laughs> it has a steampunk corgi. It does. <laughs> and it's so nice that, like, Cardia is is a little bit helpless at the beginning because plot says so. But also then all the other character, all the other dudes get together to teach her skills so she can be part of the team. And also, no one ever pins her down once. Yeah, no one's like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You're you're a girl. Let's take care of it. She's like, I want to get like more useful. And everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. And it's good. It's it's a very, very silly show, but it's a nice show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really... Un- uncomplicated and its attempts to be grimdark are cute <laughs> it's like oh how cute it thinks it's grimdark it does and also the the team mechanic was mentored by doc brown because you can't tell me that's not doc brown <laughs> oh is that yeah, where that, that screenshot came from yes that's definitely doc yeah. brown uh-huh um i don't know anything about like the character the, the original character of mp so it's uh, uh yeah. he. I, I know he's a Jules Verne character, so it, he probably talks a lot about uh, the quote-unquote science behind his uh, his his uh, creations. But I don't really know him other than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a good sweet show. It's it's silly if you're looking for something that's that's harmless and but also fun and full of pretty boys and a nice female protagonist. It's, it's a good one. Surprisingly good one. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely, like, I would recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely surprised. But it, it definitely, it, it grew on me a lot. Unfortunately, uh, Caitlin had to go. Uh, we are very grateful that she was able to join us uh, for as long as she did. So we'll just be finishing, Peter and I will be finishing up the last two shows on our own. Uh, first one is Land of the Lustrous, which I am almost completely capable, I- incapable of having any kind of objective distance on. Because if you shot a laser into my brain and made a show that was for me, it would be this show. Dang. Just, it, it, so it came straight out of your head. It did. Oh. It's got... It's, well, thanks, Fry. Got... I really love the show, so I'm, I'm very thankful <laughs> that you could be the, the origin point for this tremendous manga and anime. Especially, yes, especially because you started reading the manga before I saw the anime, and yet this formed from my head. It's really very incredible. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> Man, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's like a M. Night Shyamalan movie where I introduce you to something that came from your head the entire time. That's, I know, that's it's the incredible. twist at the end, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've been uh, screaming about the manga for since June, I think. Uh, but I'm... Yeah, you have been like its primary cheerleader. Mm. I'm glad that uh, uh, well, I'm I'm blown away by how good the anime adaptation was. When it was CG, I was super nervous. Although I have liked Orange's work in the past, uh, which is usually 3D integration into other anime, but they have like knocked it out of the park with this one. I think it is it That's... is super good. 
sometimes the grass is I don't know what it is this season but a lot of grass is this weird uncanny green color that kind of clashes with the bright designs of the gems but aside of the premiere really that they've got a handle on it and they're really good at the visuals yeah. it, it looks incredible yeah i think they were trying to replicate that first panel of the manga where Phos is lying in a field of really tall grass and I, I don't think it quite played that same way it was a really intricately drawn panel um mm-hmm. so but yeah past that like they there have been a, a couple things that the manga could do that just the anime can't um Isaac was talking about one transition, I, I agree, uh, where Lord Ventricosis first appears in her actual form. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of, they're having a conversation, Foz looks away on in the last panel, and then you turn the page, and the next page is a full page spread of uh, Lord Ventricosis, it's hard to say, uh, her, mm-hmm. her full form, uh, with and in the ocean all the backgrounds are like matte black, so she really stands out, uh, and it was very... Um, kind of just i guess isaac said arresting which is a very a very descriptive word so there i mean there's some things where it doesn't there they can't like replicate it but i feel like they've really taken advantage of color and some of the like things that you can do in anime to create different visuals visual spectacles so yeah i haven't got a chance to get a hold of the manga yet i want to but you can um another example i saw given was um one where uh where Kongo in the manga blows a dandelion, you know, out of frame in the manga. And then uh, in the anime, he, he blows and it, the camera zooms way, 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 way back. And, and we see it drifting down. So th- they're definitely trying to think thoughtfully about how to adapt things for different mediums, which is really nice. Yeah. I, I don't nece- you don't necessarily see that uh, with a lot of series that understand that different mediums work differently. And sometimes you have to change things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the spectacle is uh, great, and I love all these characters. They're my children. They're all trying their best. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's really uh, kind of a stat. Like, you can talk about this, the visual all day, but I think the actual compelling aspect of it is the setting and the characters, too. So it, it really is a complete package. Yeah. Well, and I find Fos kind of miraculous because they are, on paper, sort of the bratty, obnoxious protagonist who, yep. you know, wants to fight and gets in everybody's business and just winds up being the heroic because of reasons but it in practice they're really really endearing and they they try their best and they're very they're a little bit full of themselves but they're also sincere when um when they realize that oh other people have problems and uh you know i i've noticed uh i've i've been spoiler i've been spoiled a little bit enough to know that this theme continues but the fact that fos themselves is almost like a piecemeal physical representation of everybody's hope um and i i i really you know i've i've grumbled um and i continue to be disappointed that everybody's got the same body type yes i know that there are narrative reasons for it stop that doesn't ah there could um, just as easily be narrative reasons that they don't so right but at the same time that disappointment aside yeah it is a it it's very thematically smart about how it observes bodies and bodies as physical memory and this idea uh, that gem shards hold like this communal Jungian memory and it's really good i haven't heard about the manifestation of hope thing actually that's new to me well well because you know um yeah slight spoilers for where um because you know uh the grafts uh have this uh, you know and, and that kind of plays into 
Fos is literally carrying everybody's hopes and dreams and because they're they're the weakest but also they try the hardest and they're the most daring and I love them. I love them very much. Mm. Yeah, oh, I, oh you mean like with the sea people. Cuz No, I, I I I mean um specifically with um the uh, spoilers skip ahead 30 seconds. You know, spe- specifically with them getting grafts from other gems. Oh, okay. That that they can do that basically yeah. that that's a thing. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's perceptive. Uh yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely like. And the thing is that Foes really hasn't um accomplished anything yet either, but is still trying and it's it's almost tragic because every time Foes has gotten into a situation to do something, I I'd say their greatest accomplishment was almost was basically just convincing the sea people not to sell them off. So that that was like the big moment. Um, but you kind of, I think that makes you root for the character and really want them to be able to change to, because, I mean, their goal is absolutely kind of, uh, everybody wants Cinnabar to be saved, of course. So they've got a a goal that everybody wants accomplished, and they're absolutely ill-equipped to um, succeed in that goal, but they're still trying, and maybe some things might be steps. Um, but it, it's hard to even see progress, except in like a few, like potential areas, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, and, and Cinnabar is another example of because you know they're they're the Cinderay stoic who could who is obstructive because of their own emotional issues and that can so easily be irritating but they also try they are also try yeah also i think the whole setting is just this like kind of huge meditation on life and death as well um yeah because i uh especially that conversation with uh foes and ventricosis uh where foes literally doesn't understand the concept of death um it just seemed, I think, what do they say? They, they think it's equivalent to like being lost because I guess that's how they view death as being taken away to the moon. But there's still mm-hmm. a possibility, however, I mean, they live forever, so they can always be found at some point. That's a hope. Um, but death is hopeless. Um, so it's just something that foes couldn't conceptualize. Um, right. One of the differences I noticed in the anime, too, was uh, one of the lines that I really liked was taken out, I think. Um huh. Which was when, when right before the graphs uh, was put on foes, uh, Rutile asks, like, why do you always act out? And it was kind of like a, you know, foes was kind of out of it, missing legs and everything like that. And I can't remember the specific line. I'm, I've been lending out the manga basically since I finished it to everybody. Um, but it was something like, uh, I guess it's out of desperation because I want to help, but I'm unbelievably pathetic or something like that. And they cut that line out in the anime. Um, which I, I feel was like the, that was like the, the line that kind of summarized the character and, and like the way the character acts out as well. Yeah, they they try. Mm -hmm. I I will say, I don't know how I feel about the fact that the, um, the race of agender people are the, um, inhuman ones who never move and never change. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that, but. The show on the whole is so good, and these characters are all so well-developed that I tend to forgive it a lot. Oh, you mean um, as opposed to the sea people? As as opposed to the sea people, or, uh, you know, we don't know anything in the anime at this point about the moon people, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 there's that one line where they, 
uh, talk about how the moon people seem like, I mean, they, they just want the lustrous because they're beautiful and they want mm-hmm. to wear them as jewelry. Uh, and they're very warlike. So I think uh, Ventricosis sort of meditates upon what humans must have been like, um, yeah. which seems more of a criticism. I, I'm honestly very curious about what the sea people are like. I, I sort of noticed that each race has sort of its own kind of um, pursuit, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, where the the lustrous are very about utility and contribution, uh, and the snails are very family oriented. I don't know what to call them. Uh, where and the lunarians are more about beauty uh, and greed. So I I I get what you're talking about, where they kind of like segment humans up, and the lustrous are in this very unusual place. I, I think it's going to come down to like there's obviously more than meets the eye about how the lustrous well actually that was i kind of know how they're made now um but like what sensei is doing who sensei is and if the lunarians are actually after the lustrous for that that could kind of play into the nature of the lustrous it's hard to but with the available information yes absolutely yeah it's um and i i I am afraid uh we both love this show a lot and you know a lot more than i do and i am already afraid that we're going to spoil a show for the listeners that is very much part of the joy is about how well it surprises you yeah. so god the cliffhangers uh, every single episode yeah everybody on staff loves this show uh go watch it it's it's very nice um i'm sorry it's on anime strike it depresses me too read the manga um, too we- Please. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's there's only, what, three volumes available in English, but... Uh, yeah, the next one's coming yay. out on the 26th, uh, and I think in the next episode we'll pass the third volume anyway, so pretty much from here on, uh, it's going to be all anime. Uh, nobody's going to know what's coming. Oh, that's nice. I, I, you, uh, I heard you speculating that the anime would only go to the end of the third volume, but apparently it'll go beyond that, huh? Uh, no, I, I thought it would blow past it because, yeah, I think I think the very next episode is going to be the the ending story arc of the third volume, which is probably <laughs> it's big. Uh, I won't say anything else, but also don't, please don't spoil yeah, it for me. <laughs> also, buy the manga because we might get Haruko Ichikawa's other manga translated if it's successful, maybe, which would be really nice. Uh, she also wrote 25 Hour Vacation and Insects and Songs, which are both short story collections that are amazing, and I would like to read them in English, so help me out. Cool. All right, uh, last one is Ancient Magus Bride. Um, boy. <laughs> we, both like, we both like this show, I think, but yeah. you like it more unilaterally than me, so you go first. <laughs> I do find it so... Uh, I know you're approaching it with a different perspective, but I, I, I wonder if that might partially be because I was first familiarized with the story through manga rather than anime. Um, so I don't know if the manga told it differently or it's just foreknowledge that makes me have a different opinion or it could just be different perspective as well. Uh, you you seem focused on some aspects of the story that I think I'm kind of blind to anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could, uh, like the dynamic between Elias and Shisei. Um, yeah, it's and she gave me permission to talk about it on the podcast. But um, I, I've been watching this with uh, this show with my partner, who mm-hmm. is a survivor of abuse. Oh. Um, and so we we do a lot of talk about how Chise is portrayed, and um, the the we both really enjoyed the OVA. And honestly, if I hadn't liked the OVA so much, I would have dropped the anime by now. Um, but there is this sense, at least in the first six episodes of the anime, um, which are the present day ones that I'm not sure Yamazaki Yamazaki understands how abusive childhoods work um but maybe doesn't necessarily understand 
what all of the nuanced effects of an adult survivor of abuse look like. Uh, Chise is Chise is a great character, but in some ways, her past feels like a reason for her to not be proactive and accept what's going on around her. Um, my partner specifically gave the example of you know when they go to the artificer's um, office in like the second episode. Yeah. Um, and there's that conversation where um, uh, the artificer tells her, you know, don't don't worry about this. It it isn't your fault. It's his fault because he's such a jerk and didn't teach you anything. And this is we, we as the reader are meant to take this as kind of a comforting moment. Um, but she met um, my my partner mentioned that she would have felt really triggered in that situation because oh no, this is a situation where you've made the person who is in charge of my life look bad. How is this going to be bad for me when we're alone? Mm-hmm. Uh, and stuff like that. And and also the fact that, at least in the six episodes so far, I, I know that um, a lot of people have talked about how uh, the, the fact that other people express concern over Chise's situation is supposed to be a sign of self-awareness, but it kind of feels like lip service to me because none of these people are in a position to actually get Chise out if she wanted. Like, the the closest is the artificer. I, I'm forgetting her name. I'm sorry. Angelica. Um, yeah, Angelica is probably the closest one who would support Chise, like, if she wanted to get away from Elias. But, like, how is Chise supposed to get there on her own? She doesn't know how. Angelica doesn't visit their house. So it's really more of something that also sadly happens in real life where people, when talk to people and say oh you should get out of this you deserve better but nobody actually offers to do the hard work of helping them with it and so I'm I really like Chise I I like Elias I like Chise making friends with all the other people in the world Um, but every time the show turns to their relationship it feels bad man it feels bad yeah there's uh, there's there's no sense that 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 I would even be fine with it if it were like a Beauty and the Beast style thing where Chise at some point gets away and has a chance to get some context and decides that, yes, this is a situation she wants to be in because she's had a chance to see what her other options are and she wants to stay with Elias and this family she's found. But um, as you, as as I, as least as I've gotten from talking with you about it, she, that doesn't really happen. Uh, well, there there is a, a scene later on where I think... Uh... Is it like Christmas is coming up or something and Chise wants to get something for Elias? So she tells him to stay at the house and goes to London without him. And I think she meets up with either Angelica or the priest. I don't remember who. Because she's trying to figure out what... Well, first of all, she doesn't know what what do you buy, Elias. Um, And uh, she can't have him around because then he would be spoiled to the present, right? Um, And I think they have some conversations about their relationship then. I don't know if this is specifically the, the type of break you are talking about that you would like to see. Um, I I don't know if Yamazaki really wrote it with the concept that, um, I mean, I definitely think there's like some intentional codependence there. Actually, yeah, definitely. They're, they're definitely both codependent. Um, but I don't think she really conceptualized Elias as like a potential um, abusive individual or maybe thought about the the inequity of power in the relationship in that way. Yeah, I I don't I don't get that feeling because you know Elias is a character who I get the impression is is trying to do what he thinks is best to be good to Chise, but that doesn't mean that he's good for her. Mm-hmm. And I think the effect of that, the manga not thinking about that, is at some points it's just a you don't understand our love type story with better writing than yeah. most of them. 
I, I which bums well, me out. <laughs> I'm I'm curious as to what you'll think of some future story developments. I think we're like it does. It's it's starting off slower than I thought it would. I guess uh, maybe just because I didn't realize how far I was in before it started to mm-hmm. change. Because I felt like I'm I'm really kind of in on the manga because I don't the Chise story really kind of uh, resonates with me. I guess that that was like the draw. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, it kind of gets to the point, and I, I've told you about all this in the past, but I guess I could I just recap it really quick. How, uh, yeah, for the listener. She becomes, she d- develops a lot more agency over the course of the story uh, because of positive experiences she has helping other people. Because I think part of the, the reason that she's in the state she's in now is because she's never, people have not been positive toward her, and she's never had a chance to contribute to the lives of others as well. So after um, their, because you know, the, Elias has a couple tasks he's supposed to complete. After after mm-hmm. she plays a part in these and sees the positive changes she's able to make in the lives of others, she becomes sort of obsessed with these changes uh, that she can she can make with others. And when she sees others in need, she reacts um, it, often to her own detriment uh, because you know m- using magic is destructive to her body. So um, I the the power dynamic changes in that Elias has no way of controlling Chise and like holding her back when she decides to go all in on helping someone. Um, and cause he like, he makes her make a promise and she breaks it. And uh, at certain points and he doesn't really, he does, he's not used to interactions outside of like negotiating uh, like quid pro quo, kind of like you complete a task, I'll give you money or some other mm-hmm. sort of, it's very fey. Right. Um, Right. So uh, it it gets to this point where he, you, maybe not even him, but you realize that he starts caring about her based on some of his, like, um, own uh, thoughts uh, and, like, strange phenomena that he's observing about himself, um, which you're just like, oh, you're having feelings, but he doesn't get it. Um, right. And he wants her to be safe because he cares about her, but he doesn't really know how to tell her to, like protect herself more or consider her own well-being while mm-hmm. also looking to help others right yeah yeah and it's one of those things where like in abstract i like all of that mm-hmm. uh, it bothers me but it, getting back to the thing where like she never has a chance to get perspective necessarily this is all all of that still grows on the basis of he needs me somebody needs me i'm going to stay no matter what even if it hurts me so like it, it's it's all kind of built from that premise that wasn't very well handled at the beginning, which which again bums me out because I do really like all of these characters. Um, it, it watching it feels to me like I see many stories this could be and and work out a lot better. Like it could be a Beauty and the Beast style story where Chise is on a little bit more emotionally stable ground um, to start with, and then it's you know not not nearly. She, her development is not nearly so dependent on feeling so bottomed out early on. It could be, um, you know, a kind of story where um, where she uh, is is starts starts out um, with forming the these those great platonic bonds that she does form in the series that I really like. Before feeling like she can really talk to and bond with Elias and. and have that relationship that requires a lot more because he doesn't understand so much and relies on her so much emotionally. It could be, you know, a happiness uh, that there is something to be said for stories about finding happiness by filling a role that somebody needs you. Um, like I like the movie secretary a lot, which is about, you know, a depressed woman feeling like she can gain back 
you know, agency and choice for herself by, by being a submissive in a BDSM relationship. But even in that movie, she could always quit and do something else. Mm-hmm. She say can't go anywhere. She's stuck. And there's no real sense of choice, which later develops into all these good things because, but it, it starts from such an ill thought out place. It kind of reminds me of Oh My Goddess, which is a show or which is a manga that did a lot of really cute things as long as you ignored the skeevy premise. Hmm. Yeah, I get it. Well, yeah. I mean, she, uh, Elias, I think, did say you can leave whenever you want, but that's very different from, uh, like, being able to having emotional recognition of that, I guess. Because uh, mm-hmm. uh, he did t- teleport her to London, <laughs> which is pretty, <laughs> and she lived in Japan. So, um, yeah. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm being harder on it because it has such a Western setting, and I'm already grave. You know, I, I feel like this anime gets graded on a curve a little bit because... Mm-hmm. Western fantasy has been doing this shit better since the 70s. And and may, I'm noticing it more because it takes up so much Western aesthetic. Hmm. That, that'd be a interesting interaction, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely get your concerns. I don't know. Uh, I can't really say if they'll be addressed uh, in the future. Um, yeah. It's, it's so pretty. And I like Chisei so much. And I like all the friends that she makes. Yeah, and that's that's definitely kind of a, a running theme is Chisei sort of discovering these these new people that all uh, are, and like, you know, people in, in kind of quandaries and then finding a way to, to help them and yeah. getting a lot of, uh, what do you call it? She she finds her own purpose in being able to help other people out, which she hasn't had yeah, the opportunity I, to do until now, basically. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea of, of following her personal journey specifically yeah this is a bit yeah. like her choice before because i think elias was just doing this as an obligation and i don't think he really gave any consideration to the fact that she say might enjoy it uh or find meaning in it but once she does she really starts driving them both in that direction to the point where elias will basically somebody will approach elias and say like you know, i i would like this and he says what do i get out of it and then she say ends up helping them for nothing uh because that she just wants to see them happy and that's the only reason. Yeah, so I I do think it's I do wholeheartedly recommend that people try the OVA because I think that one is the the best thought out version of what the story has become for a lot of people. What I hear a lot of people arguing for when they say that it gets better, the OVA feels like a more thoroughly fomented version of that that also takes the the abuse element more seriously. It it feels a little bit anime in the anime right now. Yeah. But it, it's it, quite good and it looks pretty. I was very, it was very elegant the way they did the OVA because I was wondering how they would both avoid it being entirely dark or invalidating the premise of the anime's beginning. And I didn't think they could have both, but they kind of did by having the story recontextualize itself based on her future experiences with Elias, which is, I like, really clever. I, the OVA was mm. great. Yeah, it was, it was good. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's worth giving that at least a try and then. Seeing what your feels are on the anime, I think, um, I, I think, I think it just isn't going to work. Some people aren't going to be able to bend over far enough to see where it's going for for as long as it's looking like it's going to take. But I think it's worth a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a they there's quite a bit of ground left to cover, so uh, we'll we'll see how far it gets. I actually I'm not sure how far it'll get into the story if it'll reach some of those really impactful moments until later. So even if it's something that you're not enjoying now, it might be a bit of a slog to get to the parts where she starts kind of heading off on her own. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we have gone very long, yeah. but I think we've had some good fruitful discussions. Um, thanks so much for joining me, and thanks to Caitlin, who is no longer here, but thanks to her anyway. Um, if you enjoyed this content, it would be great if you'd pitch us a dollar on Patreon. It helps keep the bills running. You know, there are still a lot of things that we here on staff, um, you know, we pay all of our writers and editors. There are still a lot of things that we all do for free, like uh, being on these podcasts in order to keep the site running and keep content going to you. So, you know, even a dollar a month helps, you know, a dollar from 20 people is $20. Um, and we really, really appreciate it. All of you mean a lot to us. If you would like to find more content from Anime Feminist and our contributors, you can go to www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at Anime Fem, on Twitter at Anime Feminist, and of course at patreon.com slash Anime Feminist. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.